0: To Sensorial with Eunice, a portal to Asian Diaspora Creativity and Healing. I'm your host, Eunice KS, and welcome to this week's episode. How is your heart today? My heart is feeling quite tender, sensitive, but nourished. And I've sort of been feeling this way this whole week. You know, I've been feeling that full moon and eclipse energy since last week. And honestly, this whole past month in general, the Scorpio season has been intense with this constant cycle of death, rebirth, transformation. Have you been feeling the intensity of the season too? I actually felt this sense of completion with my cycle, Uh, Scorpio season came to completion, and I wanted to share a little bit of what's been going on. So last weekend, I felt this pull towards drawing out a map of my life, drawing out a map of my business. In an intuitive way, I started drawing up these bubbles that represented different aspects of my life. You know, this podcast, the Patreon, you know, my speaking, so on and so forth. And what I realized is that I haven't been fully embracing or expressing my full self in certain areas of my life. You know, with my speaking or my website, I realized I don't really share my Korean witchy side like I do on TikTok or Instagram where I feel like I can just kind of be myself. And I started questioning myself like why do I hide even if it's not intentionally but subconsciously, why am I hiding these different parts of myself? And I realize it probably stems from my fear of being ostracized or othered or not accepted in maybe more corporate environments or environments where I've been in in the past. And what I realize is that everything that I do, everything that I create, everything that I express, all the platforms, all the things stem from me. The same authentic me. And so it's not worth hiding parts of myself. And honestly, if they're not with me, if they don't see me as I am, then we're not aligned, you know? So, yeah, I just came out the other side of this exercise feeling like, you know what? I'm spiritual and witchy AF, I am Korean AF. I am sensitive and soft and it's like, take it or leave it, you know? If businesses want a piece of me, they'll just have to get on board with all of me. Maybe it's the Scorpio season energy, maybe it's something in the air, but yeah, I'm curious if something like this has been moving through you as well. Like maybe you're uncovering some parts of your life or your business that you realize is not encompassing the fullest expression of you and if you've been hiding and if so why and to commemorate all of this I just kind of felt intuitively called to start with a new google calendar <laughs> I don't know how your relationship is like with your calendar but I've been known to kind of put everything on my calendar you know like even like showering um I know I know But like showering or like eating dinner, I like, I have to put that on my calendar so that I can account for that time spent. I'm a little bit less like that now, but anyway, you can find everything on my calendar. So I started this email address in 2019 and I've had the same email address and Google calendar till last weekend. And this past weekend, I started out with a new Google calendar with my new email address where I've been sending my newsletters from kind of with the start of Sensorial, my new artist name, Eunice KS. Yeah. So I've just been like noticing this wave of therapeutic peace and calm when I've been using my new calendar and I've only moved over things that bring me joy or feel aligned to this new phase of my life. And yeah, just like laying to rest this part of my life, 2019 to 2021, that has been so transformative, so healing and set the foundation for where I am now. But I'm ready to kind of lay to rest that phase of my life to call in even more expansion, more more abundance, to create more space for an even bigger, more fuller expression of myself. So Yeah, I mentioned all of this also because it's so relevant to this week's episode with Zyra. It's an episode all about what it means to capture honesty and vulnerability in her work as a photographer. And how do we facilitate a safe space for women of color and femmes of color to feel safe enough in front of the lens to express ourselves honestly and vulnerably and what does it look like for Asian women to feel safe in our bodies? What is this world that we get to imagine and visualize where our bodies feel safe? And so, yeah, I look forward to hearing from you what resonates with you from the episode. And if you're enjoying Sensorial, support me in the show through Patreon at patreon.com slash sensorial with Eunice. And connect with me on Instagram at Eunice.ks and my newsletter on my revamped, re-updated website, unisks.com, where, yeah, just like I mentioned before, I stopped hiding. I incorporated more of myself, a fuller expression of myself on my website too. So check it out. Okay. Enjoy the show. I am very excited to introduce you to our guest today. She is an Indian American photographer based out of New York City And her work primarily focuses on capturing honesty and vulnerability in the female gaze, both behind and in front of the lens. And I personally had the opportunity to be photographed by her. And let me tell you, it's a whole experience, a whole vibe. (laughs) So grab your water, grab your journal. It's my pleasure to welcome Zyra Ray.
1: Zyra, how are you doing today? I'm great, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me for the introduction.
0: Yeah, so good to have you on. I wanted to talk about the card that I pulled for you, the card called Council of Light. And it says your work is divinely guided and a team of divine helpers and angels are here to help you achieve your soul mission. But to receive help, it is time to ask for help. So given what's been going on in your life recently, what's coming up for you?
1: I really, really like that card because I love the idea of having little little helpers because it makes me feel like I'm less alone. Yeah, I usually go about everything kind of by myself, and it wasn't really until recently that I've started kind of asking for help and leaning on people I love and you know, getting therapy and that kind of thing. Um, but kind of on a smaller scale, it's just it's nice to go every day thinking like, oh, like I might be like kind of alone but I'm not really alone like I have people but I also have these little angels yeah. that might be able to help me out and I I really like that I think it's really cute so yeah and I feel like as a photographer
0: I'm curious if you feel like it's more of a solo job or has it been like a true team effort in terms of the work that you've created
1: it's mostly felt like a solo thing I mean it's It is and it isn't. Photography, of course, is so inherently collaborative, especially in portraiture. You have to make people feel comfortable with you. There's so much communication that goes on, even if it's not verbal. Mm -hmm. So there's that whole aspect of it. But then it's also very independent in terms of like each photographer's process. Mm -hmm. Um, From pre-production to post-production, it does sort of feel like you're kind of cultivating a world or a reality in your images, um, however you want to interpret that. So it is sort of like an introspective thing, but it's also very collaborative. So,
0: yeah. How did you get started with photography? Did you know from a younger age that you knew you wanted to do it?
1: No, actually, I, I grew up like drawing and painting, and I've been in the art realm since as long as I can remember but I didn't start photography until my freshman year of high school. So when I was like 14 and I just started shooting on my iPhone at the time and I kind of just fell in love with it. I've always loved art, like I said, but nothing had really clicked as a medium in the way that photography did. It also just brought me out of my shell. Like I, my social skills just kind of like completely escalated thanks to photography. I was super shy and super introverted and photography kind of forces you to make connections and like I said get people to trust you and feel comfortable with you and also just to like explore the world around you so for me photography was less so like oh like a new art medium and it was more like a whole new way of life sort of like it was like my whole world opened up and that's why I just like I love it it just clicked with me and Mm -hmm. I sort of never looked back after that.
0: It seems like it opened up a whole new dimension of like adventure and freedom and expression. And I'm wondering how that intersects with your growing up as an Indian American. Were you born here or how's your upbringing in terms of creatively expressing yourself?
1: I did grow up in New York. I was born here, but I go back and forth between New Delhi and New York like every year. Oh, okay. And less so over the past couple of years, just as I've become an adult and life has become crazier. But yeah, so it's kind of felt like at least like a quarter of my life has been back in India. And it's sort of the, the classic story of being sort of tugged between two cultures and not really feeling like I know who I am, I guess. Um, but creatively, it hasn't really become a part of my work until mm, i'd say like maybe the last two years i've sort of compartmentalized my life really well Mm. in the sense that it was like my life with my extended family my grandparents and my cultural heritage and there was me in new york who i was trying to assimilate myself and be american and i wanted to when i started photography i was shooting my inspirations for photography were more like pop culture Instagram photographers or whatever mm. when I was like 14, 15. So it, it didn't start out in the way at all that it is now, where yeah. now I'm really focused on subjects who I can relate to and who haven't been represented. Um, and it's been this sort of shift where now I'm kind of reconnecting more with my roots and kind of bringing all these parts of my life together not thanks to photography, but like also because of photography.
0: It kind of brings me to, I mean, how we met, right? We met through the Cosmos photo shoot in New York with a group of Asian women and femmes, and it explored the theme of what does it look like for Asian women to feel safe in their bodies? What does it look like for Asian women to forge their own paths and be reflected without the stereotypes, without the isms, without the fetishization, all the stuff. And I think the timing of the photo shoot, too, was the summer of 2021, you know, only several months after the Atlanta shooting. And I don't know if you were there when it happened, but before we even got into the inside of Prospect Park where we did the photo shoot, there was a man who came to us very aggressively to the group of Asian women, including me, like yelling at us to go back to China and like that he's going to hurt us if we don't. And to go from that altercation or that aggression to honestly, one of the most beautiful photo shoots I've ever been part of was such a jarring experience. But I think having that reality check right before the park entrance really made me internalize how grateful I was for the space that we co-created and also just the importance, the gravitas of a photo shoot like that. But yeah, I, what what made you sign on for the photo shoot and how was your experience uh, as a photographer there?
1: I wasn't there for that, by the way, but I didn't know it even happened until after the entire shoot I made. But it's kind of like you said, I I think we sort of created like a utopia in those photographs and we sort of reimagined a world where Asian-American women felt just at peace and felt like they belonged. And that being met with just like a splash of reality and hatred is so jarring. But then like to come in with community is so rewarding. And which is exactly, to answer your question, why I signed up to do it, even though I didn't know any of you personally, and you guys had all kind of forged this beautiful, really intimate relationship with each other. When I was reached out to shoot the project, it felt like, like a very um, internal calling It's mm. like, this is exactly the kind of work that I wanna make. The team at the Cosmos, when they reached out to me, were saying that they felt like my work was very reflective of what they were trying to achieve in mm. terms of how I photograph women of color, which is what I've always wanted, but I, it was so gratifying to hear that from like an objective perspective. And I was so, so excited for the project. So we really, really wanted to cultivate this very safe space for all the subjects in the photo shoot. And we just wanted it to feel honest and loving and tender. And obviously, you know, it was a little bit, there was some like awkward bumps and stuff because (laughs) not everyone had been photographed before. And, you know, I hadn't even met anyone beforehand. So it just required a lot of trust, a lot of patience, a lot of love and passion for what the photo shoot meant and that I was just so grateful to be on board and to have everyone trust me in that way, you know, coming in as, as kind of a stranger, but we all still shared this unanimous idea of who we are, even though we're come from very different backgrounds that we're all Asian American women, right. Which yeah. is in of itself, it's its own experience. So yeah, I loved, loved that day or those three days, actually. It
0: was And incredible. the whole the whole production in front of the camera, behind the lens, like everything was all Asian American women and femme led. And I think I think about how Asian women, Asian femmes, Asian American women are portrayed in media and who the gatekeepers are, who who the photographers are, who the filmmakers are, writers, directors, you know, and like what that gaze looks like. And that's why it's so powerful that it felt soft. It felt intimate. It felt safe. First of all, like I think safety was such a big thing because mm-hmm. you hear of all these like really harmful photographer model power dynamics. And I have been part of really great transformative photo shoots before, but not in that type of collective way, like where it really felt like every single person brought their full presence, their full love, their full desire to be supportive to one another. And I think the word that really, really came out of that photo shoot for me was co-creation. Like I know a lot of us use that word for in a lot of different ways, but it really, really was a collective opt-in. And also to be in nature. I lived in Brooklyn for about a year and a half, two years from 2019 to 2020. And during the pandemic, I moved back. And I felt like I moved back sort of prematurely. Like, I miss New York so much and specifically Prospect Park, which was really near where I used to live. And that day was so magical. It took me back to my time in New York in a nostalgic way, but like added to it, like remixed it into some like, yeah, utopian, like some call me by your name, but Asian American femme women like (laughs) led, you know what I mean? And so, yeah, like I I just want to... Spotlight you for being such a big part of that and being a leader in embodying what a photographer can be for women and femmes, especially of color.
1: That really means a lot to me. I think when I look into my future as a photographer, that's kind of always the thing at the forefront. Is I I want to be um, someone who makes images that are honest and that are directly reflective of who I'm photographing. Mm. even if there's an aspect of fantasy or something that's set up or like some aspect of performance, I really want everyone to feel safe and to feel like there's this aspect of honesty and trust. And like you said, it it absolutely was the product of collaboration and it was, it really felt like a collective effort and everyone, everyone was just believed in the project and I've obviously done many photo shoots in my life as a photographer. And that's kind of rare. Like I will say that it's kind of rare to have a special tie where everyone on set just really believes in something. Um, and I love what you brought up about how it brought back memories from you living in Brooklyn. I think probably for everyone it had like a little different piece of home in it. Mm. Like for me, I've always lived in New York, so it was less that and it was more kind of revitalizing a park that I've been to so often and kind of just imagining us all in this. I don't know if you remember, but when you guys were running through the field, (laughs) I was like, wow, like we could be anywhere right now. Like we Mm -hmm. could be in the woods. It didn't feel like we were in New York City. And that man who was racist beforehand, like he was, you know, he's not even in the peripheral anymore. And that's a really beautiful thing. It's like we created a world, you know, and it, yeah. it was sort of um, yeah, yeah. the
0: safe space. And I like that you use the word imagine because that's what Asian American women have to do, right? In this country, like imagine a community, imagine a space where our bodies feel safe. And the fact that we have to imagine that is sad, but also I think it's an opportunity to then, what does that mean to imagine, right? And I think that's why photography is so powerful in film because it enables us to visualize what that future could look like so that we can be on the same page and mobilize towards that future. And I think visibility and like visualization is so powerful because if we can't see it, then how do we create it? And especially for Asian women, Asian American women who, I'll speak for myself, who felt like not seen growing up in the media or just not reflected in the books that I read. And I think it was so cool to be part of something like this and also then to see the final product and be like, wow, like we see each other. We are seen. We feel, I feel seen. I feel like I could visualize what this future could look like. So I think that's like the power of photography. You mentioned that your work primarily focuses on the female gaze, both behind and in front of the lens. And yeah, I'm just curious to learn more about how you arrived at that and what you've found most gratifying with working specifically with the female gaze.
1: I wrote behind and in front of the lens because I feel like I'm also constantly sort of learning about myself as I photograph other women or other femme and non-binary people, just because, especially women of color, I feel like with every photograph I make that has that feeling that you're describing of, of love and honesty and tenderness, it's like I feel a little bit more whole as mm. well. It's like I'm learning more about myself. It's almost like a little self-portrait in a way. Mm. And I think that's really special. I think for many years, for the vast majority of the time that I've been shooting, actually, I you know I've been liking the work that I've been making, but I felt very disconnected from it. And it's been this sort of ongoing battle of, like, what am I doing? Am I meant to be doing this? Um, Am I just making pretty pictures? Like, what am I actually doing? Am I Mm. even an artist? Um, Yeah. You know, I was developing this really strong visual eye, and I was proud of a lot of my work, and I was getting opportunities. But I felt so disconnected, and I was losing a lot of motivation to do anything at all. So it's been really, really rewarding to kind of turn my lens onto very intentional subjects and very intentional stories that resonate with me and that probably resonate with a lot of people. And like you said, visibility and representation is just so insanely important, but then taking that a step further and representing people in a, I keep using the word honest because it just feels like the best way to describe it. In a way that is is true to them, like you see a lot of tokenization in the media, especially now, like just like propping someone in in the name of representation or diversity. But is that really representation? Like, what are you yeah. representing? You know? Yeah. So I think the closer and closer I'm getting to that, and the more I'm collaborating and working with people who have like minded goals in the Black community too. I work with a lot of Black female photographers um, and other Black photographers who are doing similar work and in their communities. It's so inspiring and it's so rewarding. And I finally kind of feel like connected to my work and I'm like, okay, yeah, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Like, this is what feels right. So.
0: Yeah. In terms of like honesty, I think back to what you were saying about how you see yourself in the subjects that you capture as well. It reminds me of the saying that we are all mirrors for each other. And we often talk about projecting things onto other people, like when you point one finger, you have three fingers pointing back at you. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> As a photographer, we think, okay, like the person that captures the photo and then the model or the subject is the subject. But then I think who photographs the subject is so key to the end result because if the photographer doesn't see themselves in a certain way or with love, if the photographer can't be fully present for the whole situation because of something that's bothering them it affects how the subject feels and then the masks you know start coming up and then you can see the mask you can see the dishonesty the the hiding that happens even in photo and the honesty bit is so so real especially as a woman of color it's like it's not safe to be fully honest in workplaces in the society you know with the hate crimes going on against Asian American women, like I didn't feel safe to look like what I look like. So I have to hide out of safety, out of protection. And I think that's why like this idea of capturing honesty and vulnerability in the safe space of that studio that we're co-creating together is powerful because maybe outside of that studio, it's hard to feel like you can take off all the masks and like be seen for who you are without all the labels of like, without all the identifying like tags that we have to wear just to be categorized in the society.
1: Yeah. That's a really, really great point. And like the flip side of, you know, the tenderness and and vulnerability is like the strength and the courage. You know, you hear a lot from people who can't really relate or just like, you know, why don't you fight back or why don't you, we... mm. In the situation of like hate crimes or catcalling or really awful scenarios where there are power dynamics, and you hear that a lot, where people are like, "Why don't you just? Why don't you just fight that?" You know, and you can't always do that. Like you have to sometimes put your head down and keep walking for your own protection. But I think cultivating a space where these women can like scream or like feel like yeah. they're in control or like show courage or show bravery or fight in the way that they want to in those moments is equally as important as showcasing vulnerability and tenderness and softness and solitude, you know? So yeah, it's all of the above, which is really, really special, you know? Yeah.
0: The screaming, I mean, I'm just thinking back to at least like my lineage, the lineage of women in my family generations back, like how many Generations of women who weren't able to scream, who weren't able to release, who weren't able to feel safe to do that. And yeah, like we think of like the first times people get photographed. Well, at least this is before the age of selfies and Instagram and everything. It's like school portraits or family portraits, you know, which is like very neutral. Like you're just being identified. Like this is who Eunice is. This is who Zyra is. And then with like the age of selfies, everything, there's the question of like, who is this for? Who are you trying to impress? Whose gaze are you catering to? And I think there's like a soulful nature to your photos. Like when I first got introduced to your work, I was like, "Ooh, there's like so much emotion behind the photos." And I'm wondering if as a human through this whole journey, you've grown or explored your own spirituality and if that's influenced your work as a photographer at all.
1: That's a good question. Uh, I wouldn't consider myself a very spiritual person, mainly because I grew up in a very kind of practical household. It's interesting because spirituality is so interconnected with Indian culture because most of it originates from Hinduism and Buddhism, but it wasn't really incorporated into my upbringing, and I kind of wish it was (laughs) because I love the idea of having practices and having faith in something that's bigger than yourself. And I'm sort of slowly venturing into it and, like, doing some research. But, yeah, I think, like I said, I've compartmentalized my life to the point where I'm kind of trying to undo that now. Um, My work and my artwork is very separate, I think, from the kind of everyday internal struggles that I go through. Mm. And it's unfortunate because photography has been really therapeutic for me. But at the same time, there's been like months where I haven't picked up a camera just out of fear and a lot of pressure on myself. And just, you know, kind of very existential questions of like, what am I doing? Like, am I good enough? Is this worth anything? Um, to the point where I just talk myself out of even dipping my toes in the water and creating anything at all and I kind of lose perspective very very quickly even though there's x y and z things I'm really passionate about like everything we talked about on this call it's kind of like an ongoing mental battle where it's like when I'm working I feel great and like I feel fulfilled and I feel especially when it's work that resonates with me And when I'm not, I don't feel as great, but it's Mm -hmm. still really hard for me to see it clearly and just be like, okay, why don't I just make some art? So yeah, I think I'm, I'm working on it. I'm trying to tie myself more and more into my work and I'm trying to bridge that gap, you know, so it doesn't feel as disconnected, but it's hard because as much as I wouldn't like there to be, there's all these external pressures and layers to, my work that weren't there when I started, um, you know. Now there's the aspect of my career income, um, mm-hmm. just like visibility, audience, people liking my work, people not like my work. There's all these things that make it so much harder, just internally. So, mm-hmm. but I know most creative people can relate to that, if not all
0: yeah and and you keep mentioning the compartmentalization of your work and life. And I think you mentioned before about feeling whole, and that's how I define healing, right? It's like how to feel whole again because we are all whole and perfect as we are. but with these different like societal lines and boxes that we choose to, like this is work separate from life. And that's like fictional, right? And, yeah, I'm curious. When you feel that way, when you feel those internal dialogues, the narratives coming at you, like with I am not enough, like all the stories that are made up, what guides you back to actually going through with the photography to back to your love of what you do as an artist? Is there something that is like a guiding or grounding force
1: in your life? Unfortunately, it's usually been out of like pure necessity. It'll be like, you know, I have ongoing struggles with depression and anxiety. So for example, like earlier this year, I was going through probably like the worst depression of my life and I had COVID. So, you know, it was like a whole thing, but I I stopped shooting for a really, really long time, but it was kind of different from other episodes that I'd been in where it felt more met with a sense of urgency, where it was like either I keep going down this hole and it'll be harder and harder for me to get out of it or I need to get myself out of it and I need Mm. to do something about it because it got to the point where I wasn't functioning very well, wasn't eating, you know, and it just, it wasn't what I wanted for myself, obviously, (laughs) but also it's interesting because I don't know if you saw the Vogue piece that I shot for uh, me. Yeah, so that, She reached out to me for that when that was happening, Um, kind of like at the the end of that. And I think that's maybe one of the few times in my life I've believed in like some kind of higher power where I was like, this is what I needed. You know, obviously it happened to be the biggest opportunity of my life, but also like Vogue, of course, is crazy. And, you know, and I, ideally I wish I'd like kind of made myself do it and not have to have someone else kind of bring it out of me. But I'm really, really grateful for that because it gave me something, like one thing to just put my energy into. And then from there, I like slowly started picking myself back up. So it it was kind of out of like a sense of urgency, but that kind of felt like a really formative period in my life. And I've only been doing better since then. So I think, Mm. you know, should that happen again, I'll be able to kind of pick myself up sooner rather than later but yeah, sorry. I didn't mean for it to get so dark, but (laughs) no, 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 no. Like it's real and
0: COVID's real and you know, life keeps happening and our careers keep happening, even though it's life altering things. And, you know, as you were talking, the thing that kept coming up was the card, the council of light, you know, like you, you felt like there was like divine sort of, it felt like one of those divine helpers or angels were like, Here's a path forward, and happened to be like the path forward, you know? And then you talk about, you know, like next time, maybe like I'll pick myself back up. But I think with mental health, with everything that goes on in life, like we're not meant to do it alone. And I feel like as Asian American women and just like a lot of people in general, the way we were raised, it's hard to ask for help and like receive help. It's easier, I think. From my perspective, as an oldest sister, daughter of immigrants, Asian woman, like all of that stuff. It's like, I'm always the de facto caregiver or the nurturer. And it's easier for me to assume the position of like, okay, how do I take care of something or someone? But when it's time to receive help, it's almost like, oh, like, I wish I didn't need help. You know, it's like, there's like this, like, false sense of power or agency that we have if we do it by ourselves. Like, And healing doesn't, I fundamentally think that it doesn't happen by ourselves. Like, yes, the internal wholeness is like only something we can achieve, but it doesn't mean that, you know, we don't, as human beings, as animals, we need that social, social support, the social interaction, like we're meant to be in a village together. So I think it's just beautiful how even in that story with the Vogue shoot, that you didn't do it yourself, that it wasn't just you just like muscling your way back, that it was actually someone extending a hand and and you took it. And I think the fact that you took it, that's the biggest, that's what makes a difference between you continuing to feel the way that you did or change the path so yeah I just want to uplift that because I see the pattern you know
1: thank you yeah no I I really appreciate that yeah no I absolutely see me um kind of accepting that even though it seems like a no-brainer to be like yes but for me it honestly wasn't at the time so I was in such a state of like I shouldn't be given the opportunity to do anything like I'm not a reliable Mm. person right now um Mm. but the fact that I you know trusted myself to do it because I would never do anything unless I knew I could or like unless I had some kind of faith in myself that I would I could do it so yeah the fact that I took that step forward and then kept moving forward is something I'm I'm really proud of because it it really at the time didn't feel like that was a possibility so Yeah. yeah yeah
0: And where do you think those narratives are coming from? And I know it's like probably a combination. Um, Do you know where your stories come from and how you're dismantling or rewriting some of those stories?
1: It's so fictional. It's like so in my head. And I still somehow convince myself it's a reality because like, as soon as I'll, for example, the Cosmos shoot or any other shoot, like I'll leave being like, I did that. And like, that was amazing and like i could do it again you know like these photos are beautiful they're like important um but when i am not in that situation i somehow am able to really convince myself that i'm not qualified or that that someone else can do it better or that i you know that i'm going to fail or that i'm going to disappoint people it's really hard especially when it's like an internal voice but i think what i've realize in therapy actually is that it's not like me really saying that it's more likely to be a combination of some cultural aspects of perfectionism um and you've talked a lot about rest i think and like mm-hmm. a feeling like guilty for resting and for taking time for yourself and the kind of expectations that are just so overbearing that they've become so internalized but it's not really a lack of me believing in myself because I know I, I know what I'm capable of because I prove it to myself constantly and over and over and over again. But it's really these like, I don't know if there's these little angels and maybe there's these little like devils who are just yeah. like out to get you, you know? And you kind of have to like fight them off. Um, at least it's easier for me to look at it that way. It's harder for me to think that it's actually me because then it becomes an issue of like, I have to change myself or I have to change my internal voice. But if it's something that's like a third party, then I can like, just kind of like kill them off, like in a video game,
0: you know? Yeah, (laughs) totally. I mean, we are not our thoughts. Thoughts are there. We have them. We have thoughts. We are not our thoughts. And I think that's very liberating for people who overthink, AKA me and like everyone (laughs) else. um, Yeah. And have like a mental dialogue going on at all times. And I think that's why like, reconnecting with our bodies and like resting and everything is so powerful. And I'll say one thing again, for the photo shoot we did together, I noticed that when I feel unsafe in my body, or if I feel like I just want to remember what it felt like in my body to feel intimately connected in that space, to visualize what it looks like for Asian women to thrive in this country... I think back to the bodily sensations that I had in that shoot. So, including when I was lying in that grass and you know, the sun was blasting on my face. Yeah. But it just like <laughs> was such pleasant warmth all over my face. Yeah. And there was like also tingling sensations on my arms, and also when Jennifer and I had our cheeks together, like in a very intimate way, like my body remembers the sensation of like the softness of her skin on my left cheek and like the grass in my feet. And it helps me override some of the thoughts in my head because the sensations ground us to reality. And like we make up our own realities. And I think by grounding ourselves to these sensations of times and spaces that we did feel capable, we did feel powerful, we did feel like anything was possible, helps us create like these new realities and I wanted to ask you if there's any like sensations that come up for you from that photo shoot from the other side.
1: First of all, that makes me so happy that you have such like sensory connections to that shoot and like obviously emotional connections. Um, it's honestly the most rewarding thing to hear ever as a photographer. So thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's really interesting to be on the other side of it. The way I work, if, if you didn't notice, is I like direct pretty specifically because i have these images in my head it sort of obviously stems from the concept which is what does you know a liberated scene of asian american women you know in community look like and instantly with the setting of prospect park i have these images in my head of, of you guys laying in the grass or running in the field or your cheeks pressed together and a softness and like a delicacy and then from there it's sort of like an ongoing communication with the subjects with you guys it's like does this feel right? Does this feel okay? Like, is this comfortable? Like, is this awkward? You know, cause sometimes it can be, it can feel awkward, but it can also feel like peaceful, you know? yeah. Like it can, like I, I could sense there was obviously some awkwardness cause you guys had never met in person before. So it's like, if I put, tell you to put your faces together, it's like, okay. Like, but then like you said, you feel the sun on you and you feel this like closeness and I can feel that too, even if I'm not mm. physically, you know, it's kind of what I was saying earlier about how like I kind of learn more about myself or feel more whole. That's exactly what I mean. And I think the way you phrase it made me better understand it too, is it's exactly that it's like having these images in my head and then making them a reality, but then also making other people who resonate with the idea actually kind of experience it in their own way um, mm. and bring their peace into it and then it really becomes like you said this whole like co-collective mm-hmm. creative project and that's that's what made it so special
0: you know yeah and I, I just hope that like yeah I know I'm not the only one who felt that way about the shoot that you led and so yeah like whatever moments you feel like it'd be a good time for an angel to step in or whatever like i think Also just noticing the sensations that the photo shoot gave me that you also then internalized, like you embodied that too. Like the sun on my cheek that you could feel on your cheek could serve as like one of the little angel signs saying like, look, that's what you did. Like that's what I feel literally on my cheek right now, transporting me back to that moment. And like, not to just fixate on the photo shoot, but I think we have various experiences that elicit that kind of sensorial reaction. Ooh, that's there, there. We go. Yeah. <laughs> there we go.
1: There we go. There we go. I love that. It's such a nice <laughs> way to like weave that all together.
0: That brings me to one of my final questions, Zaira. What is your wildest dream beyond any limitations, any barriers?
1: I, like, don't really let myself dream, which is a really bad issue I have. And A number of loved ones have, like, told me, like, you have to dream bigger. You have to, like, believe that these things are possible for you. And it's, like, this mental barrier. But I like being put in the position where it's just, like, just dream. Like, just dream about what you would want. Yeah, I think it sounds really corny, but, like, I dream of, like, being in, like, an apartment (laughs) that's like everything in there is just like me you know and Mm. I want to be surrounded by work whether it's mine or other people's that just resonates with me um like I can imagine like photos on the wall everything from like the Cosmo shoot to like anything I'm gonna create in the future with people who I love or like love the photos or feel empowered by them and, like, I imagine, like, a lot of cameras in my living room mm. and, like, art books and, like, funky furniture. And this isn't a super wild dream. It's, like, probably relatively attainable. But I don't know. It just seems very peaceful. And, you know, like, maybe I'll have, like, a dog or something. With oh. I've always wanted a dog. Yeah. yeah. Like, I just felt like a like a cozy, like, peaceful life where I just feel, like, at peace and very affirmed in, like, the work that I'm making. And I think a good visual for that is me being surrounded by it, like physically. So I think that's just like instantly where my mind goes. And then beyond that, it just, it doesn't let me dream bigger than that. Well, maybe that can be, maybe
0: this can be just like a portal to all the wildest dreams that will come to you that you'll receive whenever you're ready. But I love that it's so visual, like you can literally sense like, your future apartment, your future dog, your future, yeah. you know, setup. And it feels like a physical manifestation of peace. Like the word that I kept hearing from you was peace. So maybe your wildest dream is peace. Yeah. And you said it yourself that it's attainable because I do think peace is attainable. An apartment doesn't seem like a big deal, but the meaning behind what you are sharing with me does feel like a really big deal. And But yeah, I I think that's so achievable. So that's, I mean, what's so exciting about these questions around wildest dreams, typically they're future realities. So (laughs) I can't wait to see your future dog. (laughs) Yeah, me too. Yeah, (laughs) I'm excited. (laughs) So my final question to you is, what do you think your younger self needed to hear and what message would you like to share with her
1: today? I think about that a lot. Um, When I think of my younger self, I focus on the things that, like times I wish I'd said no or stood up for myself or been stronger. I look back at my younger self and I think my instinct is to look at her as someone who's very weak and fragile. But I'm trying to sort of flip that on its head and see it more like she just wanted, you know, love and she just needed some guidance and some help. And she was incredibly strong and incredibly resilient. Also, I like kind of referring to her as like a third person almost, Mm -hmm. but she's also still in me and she comes out a lot for sure. But yeah, my therapist has been kind of trying to help me like care for her in a way that like an older sister would Mm -hmm. rather than like sort of shame her for, you know, like when you're 14, 15, there's only... There's only so much you can do, um, especially if you're really, yeah. yeah, yeah, if you're being like hurt by other people. so, yeah, I would just kind of give her like a big hug and <laughs> I'd be mm-hmm. like, like you've got this. I, I would tell her to make more space for herself for sure. I think I gave up like a lot of time and energy and space. I gave up the vast majority of that to other people who were definitely like undeserving of it. and I in turn just like, sacrificed a lot of my own time but you know that's how you learn and that's how you grow and now I'm kind of just trying to like make up for that a lot of lost time so
0: yeah Yeah. and what a beautiful journey and I think it's almost like you're the angel to your younger self you know it's if we're thinking about Uh, two separate entities like time and space and everything like technically like we have the opportunity to be the angel to our inner child, our younger self in any moment. And I think that's just so powerful because we, we don't have to think like, oh, the past is like the past where we can't, you know, tend to the inner, inner child within us. Like we can actually do that, like whenever we want and whenever we need. So what a beautiful message. I love the hug. I think that's what I would have wanted to.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, where can we find you and support you Zara?
1: I think the best place is Instagram. Um, My website is not updated. (laughs) so (laughs) My Instagram is at Z-A-Y dot I-R-A. It's just my first name Zyra with a dot in the middle. And that's kind of it. I don't really have anything else. So stay tuned for my website. I'm working on it. (laughs)
0: Yes, stay tuned for the website (laughs)
1: drop. But thank you, Zyra, for
0: coming on Sensorial. It was so nice to hear from the other side of what I found to be a magical experience. And I'm so excited
1: for all your wildest dreams to unfold. This was a beautiful conversation. I really enjoyed it. So thank you so much for having me.
0: Hope you enjoyed the show. I would love to hear what resonated with you. And the best way to connect is by joining the Sensorial community on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash sensorial with Eunice check out all the exciting offerings including bonus content behind the scenes stories and somatic healing with the community be part of the founding member circle today by going to patreon.com sensorial with Eunice your support means the world to me and it helps fuel the future of the show you can also find me on instagram at unisks, and go to my website unisks.com to sign up for my newsletter and hit the reply button to directly connect with me Have a beautiful rest of your day and connect soon. Bye.